that's what men do and actually believing that I can do it, Mm. right? Like syndication on a deal. There's really not that many women who do that. The majority of syndicators are men. Putting together those funds as a female, it was very challenging. The fact that I was able to do it successfully, it it created a new confidence in me. Like, oh, I can really do big dog shit. I'm capable of this. This is me. You can't cry over it. you guys welcome back to another episode of light it up podcast we are super excited about today's guest an old friend of ours from hoboken new jersey or at least that's where we know you from jessica nelson jess thanks so much for being here thank you for having me here oh yeah we've been uh excited and pumped up and we want to hear a lot more about uh you know some of your new ventures in texas we're excited to to spend some time with you today awesome Sweet. Cool. So for the viewers that don't know you, can you briefly introduce yourself? Sure. So what I'm most known for is having left the Northeast, Hoboken, where we all knew each other. Very fast-paced market, which is a nice way of putting it, yep. to Texas. I'm in North Dallas, Dallas proper, and I moved here during pandemic. And in my first 12 months as a licensed agent, we completed 52 sides which, you know, a lot of people feel like that's something interesting. Yep. Yeah, for sure. 52 sides in, in your first 12 months. That's awesome. First 12 months in that market. You know, I don't think I ever did that in Hoboken combined. So that, I think that's the other piece of this that's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's frankly the reason we wanted to have you on here. So I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad we were able to jump into it. Well, one thing before we go into lightning round that you didn't mention is that you're a single mother of two. And to do that kind of production while raising two girls, and your girls are beautiful because you put them on social all the time, and they're awesome, you. and you could see that they have a very spunky personality from their mother. To be able to balance those two things is an accomplishment in its own, so kudos to you. I appreciate that. All right. Yeah, yeah my, my daughters are 12 now, so when we relocated here, they were, they were nine. It's been three years already? It's insane. It's going on three. August will be three. Wow. Time flies. Last time I remember seeing Jessica, we were in San Diego. I just finished with the hypnotist thing and I met you guys up at the bar. And then I looked dazed out. Jessica's like, you good? (laughs) I'm like, I'm "I'm feeling enlightened right now. (laughs) She's like, you need to go to sleep. Um, (laughs) All right, cool. So as we like to do, we are always going to start with the lightning round. Icebreaker questions. John gave me a couple of wonky ones, so I'm going to filter through which ones. Every one I gave you was fantastic. They're all right. All right, you want to get started? So this is so we could get to know you better. Everybody gets to know you better. We break the ice. We feel more comfortable. Everybody's having a good time here. Mm. All right. (laughs) Jess, how do you get in the way of your own success? Overthinking. Hmm. Elaborate. Are you talking about me or other people? You. This oh, is all about get, you, girl. I never get in the way of my own success. Oh, <laughs> she just went 10x grant on your ass. <laughs> never. Whoever gave you that question, that's a bit silly. No, I mean, why would you get in the way of your own success? That's what some people do. But top performers like y'all are watching right here, Carol and John, 
those are people who are risk takers. Those are people who are action doers, right? So, you know, I don't think that's really a disease we suffer from. Love it. Good answer. Good answer. I'm going to take away this one then. What's one family tradition that you would like to carry on for the future? You know, we used to go down the shore every summer. Anyone from Jersey, you all do it too. There's no beach here in Texas, you know, like in Dallas. There, There is in Houston, but there's no beach. I'd like to get to a point where like my passive income and my team is like pumping and I could go to the Jersey Shore for three months with my kids. Mm. You hear that, people? She wants to leave Texas to go to Jersey. To go like specifically that. to F Cove, I imagine. <laughs> well, you had a place down the shore somewhere near me, right? Were you in Brick, Tom's River? Uh, in Tom's River, yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. And how far are you from, like, this may be a ridiculous question, like Lake Havasu? I don't know. That's Arizona. Is it? <laughs> yes. No, there's some, what's the, there's some lake in Texas where everybody goes and parks their boats and... In Texas? Um, a lot of people like to go on the river, the Braz- I think it's the Brazos that goes through like Austin and people, mm. um, you know, they river drink. I haven't been there yet. All right. Maybe I'm confusing it with some crazy river, but <laughs> I'll send you, I'll send you the details on this crazy river drinking that I see these Texans do. You got it. All right. What's one thing you did that you wish you could go back and undo? So this is going to be personal decisions, not business. I think that when I was younger, I was really obsessed with the things that younger people see as, you know, success. So, you know, I wanted to be the it girl every place. I drank more than I should have. I hung out with some people that were questionable. I probably would have changed my behavior years sooner if if Mm. there's something I could have changed. No, that's a valid point especially with today's social media and what you see is the perspective and thinking that you have to have material items to be accomplished is kind of uh, a trend right now. All right. What's the hardest decision you've ever had to make? Oh man. I think leaving my ex, he was extremely wealthy. I don't know if you ever met Andrew. He um, did leverage finance and was highly, highly successful you know, along with the lifestyle also came everyone you know, right? The people who see you as important, the people who give you value, you know? So leaving him, I gave up a lot of friendships. I gave up a lot of connections. It wasn't just the money. It was really my whole life as I knew it. Mm. And and it it was a transition. It's hard. This is actually pretty awesome because this goes into our topic of today that we're going to be diving into later. That's for sure. All right, John, hit it with the last one. Yeah, the topic is um, unknown for you now. You made it seem that, like it was like a relationship topic. Yes, eating advice, no. <laughs> no, but that's perfect. Go ahead, yeah. What mistake do you continue to make over and over again? Mm-mm. You yes. that one. No, how do you get in the way of your own success is a different one. Okay. Actually, I want to say that that's one of my superpowers is not making the same mistake over again. I see errors as learning experiences and they're typically different, whether it's a deal, whether it's parenting, whether it's relationships, I'm very good at learning my lesson and not doing it again. What was the most recent lesson you learned? To do better due diligence on the people you choose to give your money to. 
Okay. I gave money to an attorney mm -hmm. who was handling something for me. And they wanted to help me. They were my best friend. They cared about my situation. And as soon as they received that retainer, I met a very different person. Wow. And I, it was recommended from somebody else I knew. But once I started looking at the reviews, I saw a trend, which it's funny because people, when they go to hire a listing agent, right? We give them our reviews. We give them our references. Why didn't I think to do the same thing? I would not do that again. That was a, a costly mistake for me. Yeah. And yeah. that happened so much often. I was, I met this, uh, this person. So they were saying that one of their best friends invested like all of their life savings with their mother who was doing like this new gig for Forex trading or something like that. And then one week later or two weeks later, she's like, she lost 40% of her savings in like literally that time period. And she was just like, Oh no, it's guaranteed. The only risk that you're going to lose is the proceeds. And that was her mother. Right. So it's like, you just have to be very cautious and, you know, do your due diligence before jumping into anything. Even if the person you know and trust and like is one thing, but just getting a little bit more references and just past performance is a key thing too. It's a great summary. Yeah, right. That's a mistake I'll never make again. <laughs> I love that. Uh, all right, so jumping into the topic of today, the the thing that's interesting, and you know, we know you, know of you, we've seen you around a lot, and you know, talking about surface level, it is extremely impressive that you moved to a new market and you were able to produce through the activities that you were able to do. But the reality is, is that your philosophy and your identity changed from an individual who was in Hoboken, like you were saying, your cumulative transaction count didn't match probably what you were doing in Dallas. So for someone to go to a new marketplace completely and produce do certain activities is one thing, but the philosophy for yourself and the way you looked at yourself completely changed. And we definitely see that on your social media platform. The person that you were a few years ago is completely different than the person that we see today. Can yeah. you walk us through that transition? Yeah. So I was a wealthy housewife who did it as a hobby. I only really touched luxury transactions, extremely ego-based, looking for recognition, you know, kind of a lot of the mistakes that you see agents making low producing agents didn't think I needed coaching. When I did get into coaching, I thought I knew it all versus being a sponge. And when I knew I was going to leave, when I knew I was going to finally get the courage to change my life, I really started to position myself, proximity is power around the right people. I got with Aaron Novello, my coach. I started hanging out with role play people and prospecting groups that were at much higher levels than me. And instead of trying to show off or act like I knew something they didn't, I shut up and I listened. And the information that was poured into me, first of all, thank you to all of those people. You didn't have to help me. Just listening to you changed my life. And, and all of you know who you are. I learned how to prospect. I learned how to have skills, how to overcome objections, how to make sure a transaction goes as planned, how to price properly, everything you need to be a successful agent. And I did it by getting my ego out of the way and really opening up my mind to I'm a nobody and I need help. Yeah. And, and I, I still take that approach. You know, people are like so impressed by what I did. I don't see it as a big deal at all because I still have crazy bills to pay. And every day I still got to make sure those get paid. Yeah. So despite the, the production that's happened, I still see myself as like a humble servant going out to help sellers, help the agents who are 
you know, wonderful enough to have partnered with me and produce results for all of those people. Yeah. You know, for you to be coachable, ego needs to go, right? Ego is definitely not your amigo when you're trying to be coachable because the idea of trying to look good and not fail is the exact reason why you don't learn. And I was explaining this to an agent the other day too. It's like, you need to go out, take action on what you're learning, fail so badly that you can be like, all right, I made it to step two. What can I do differently? What could I have done to improve to get to step three? And then you constantly get the feedback and then you can make, you know, progress from there. But if you're expecting the results to be, you know, to happen as soon as you try it, then, and you fail, then you're going to be never improving. You're never going to actually make steps forward or strides to get better. So obsessing over that process is something that you've definitely done, right? Where there's videos of you walking and door knocking and you're like, yeah, it's beautiful today. Mind you, you're probably like hustling and you're exhausted, not having to do it, but you're like focusing on the process and like obsessing over it and liking it more. Was there a certain point in that time that you actually fell in love with the process that you can reflect on? I absolutely. You would summarize it very well, what you just said. So <laughs> here's a little known fact. How many listing appointments did I go on before I actually got my first listing? How many? 25. 25 failed listing appointments. How many agents would subject themselves to that? Think about it. Not many. And how many would bullshit themselves out of the fact that they, the reason why they didn't get it is the true reason and they let ego get in the way too. So that's yeah. true. Every time I failed, I learned something new yeah. and I, you know, I handled different objections, but to this day, I really credit everything I've done to the fact I stuck it through because it got to the point where it's like, oh, I know how to answer this because I've been here before. And like, I, I really failed every way possible. There's no other ways to fail. <laughs> Yeah. So once I got it, it, I mean, my, it, it was just like, so I don't want to say easy. It's never easy. That's, that's downplaying the truth, but each one got easier yeah. and new agents and like lower producing agents. It's a mentality because they think, well, going into it, they don't think of it as a learning experience or a practice or a process. They think of it as a commission check. Mm. Yeah. And when you go there thinking that you're not going there to serve, you're going there to take. So I was really like, okay, I'm learning. Like this is, if I was an actor, this is a gig. I'm going to get better every time. Or if I'm a softball player, right? I'm getting my next step out, I'll get better. Learn the pitches. And I started to have fun with it. Like I started to track my wins. I started to, you know, see how handling the objection, the answer would be different. Yeah. And that that's something that I think all agents really need to understand is that, you're going to fail. It's totally a part of the business and you can't cry over it. You just have to take what you learned and get better. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to learn the skills and develop them and to be obsessed over them, but it's another thing to share it with other agents, especially agents in your marketplace. How did yeah. that adjustment come to you as well? Oh, partnering with EXP is life changing for me. So for a long time at my previous brokerage, they, uh, the manager was like, oh, this one is getting business, go shadow her. And they would kind of just throw new agents at me and I would do my best to help them. But ultimately they couldn't make enough money, you know, cause like the referrals and you know, the splits, they just couldn't like support themselves. So they would quit mm -hmm. or, or try to do it on their own and not, and not do as well. So then, you know, my coach Aaron talked to me about coming to EXP 
And he knew that I'm trying to spend more time with my kids and not be seven to seven every day or five to nine, really. So I came over and I had like immediately agents who were like, yeah, I want to partner with you. And I would take them door knocking. I would cold call with them. I would take them on listing appointments. These agents are getting really freaking good. And, I, and I'm loving watching it because, you know, I'm, I'm a softball player. I love a team. I love to win. I love to help people. Like, that's the only way everybody grows. And that, you know, the way EXP's model works, they can make sufficient money. They make plenty of money. And I'm still able to take a profit share. Like my profit share is like between three and 6,000 a month now. Yeah, nice. So you guys invest in apartment buildings, right? No. Oh, I thought you did. But if you think about it, okay, you put a million dollars into, you know, multifamily or, or sure. a fund. In order to make a million dollars with taxes, you actually have to make like two, especially in New York, New Jersey. So here you are as an agent making $2 million. That's freaking hard. We all know that's like very, very difficult. It's a lot of work. And then you put it into a, a fund, right? That gives you a distribution for that amount. I mean, it's a no brainer. Like yeah. why wouldn't you go to EXP and, and, and just partner with agents to get that same passive income without yeah, having the same passive income that money. you would get if you had the investment in a, in a multifamily. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So going back to the philosophy change and the shift. So if I was a friend of yours in Hoboken and if I was a friend of yours now in Dallas, what would the, what would the variance be between opinions if they were asked about you? Like who <laughs> is Jessica Nelson? Oh my gosh, there, it would be two different people. So, you know, I was really popular in Hoboken. Everyone knew me as the person I hang out with. I knew everybody, you know, I wore clothes I shouldn't be wearing at 20 or 37, you know, <laughs> I was like an it girl and didn't really work that hard in Dallas. I'm, you know, I go to church my, with my kids all the time. I'm I hang out with the other moms. <laughs> it's a completely different person. Where did this rebirth come from? And why Texas? Yeah. What, what made you go down there? <laughs> I think I told you this when we were talking about a referral probably two years ago at this point. I was born in Dallas, but I don't know much about it. I was not there for too long. But what made you end up going down there? Uh, having to support myself and, and my kids. You know, it's very easy to have a cushy lifestyle when someone else is funding it. Yeah. But when you make a decision to leave, you also make a decision that that was my choice, right? I should not receive alimony. I should not receive help if I choose to leave. Yeah. So my choice was that I would support myself and my children. And in order to do that, you have to change. Yeah. Burn your ships. Essentially. But would you, looking back at it now, would you have changed anything about the decision you made? Absolutely not. It's the most courageous thing I've ever done. And I would love to help so many other women that are in situations that they're not that happy with yep. to know that you can do it. You can absolutely do it. It's scary but you can do it. Yeah. Being single and dating a lot of girls, the one feedback I get whenever it's like a hustler kind of mindset girl, she's like, I don't want to ever depend on anybody ever. And it comes from like a burn or something that they've ever felt before where they felt like they couldn't leave a relationship or they were compelled yeah. to someone because of that. So that takes a lot of courage. So I commend you for that. That's amazing. Thank you. Now, John's question was why Dallas? Why Dallas? Oh, well, it was between Florida or Texas for me. I'd already worked a lot of Florida since I was working on 1000 museum sales team. You know, I just didn't seem like a wholesome place to raise children. I wanted to go someplace that would really be 180 to where I was. 
somewhere with an accent that you can develop and <laughs> implement too. Because <laughs> your accent's coming on you very well, by the way, y'all. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now you're in a new marketplace. You're you're working. You're trying to build a team, right? You're teaching agents how to be successful. What does that look like for you for the next five years? What's your vision plan associating with EXP, associating with you a lot with uh, the 10X Nation? What's your vision look like now that you are independently doing this all yourself now? Thank you for asking. Since I've been here, I've been selling out new construction communities and I have a very different approach. I recently signed a contract to be a consultant to a developer and I'd really like to do more of that. It's my passion, I love it. Marketing is what I studied in college and I feel like I'm actually able to use my degree now. So I wanna do more of that consulting for developers to sell out communities at high, you know, high prices, quick as possible. And then I'd also like to continue giving value to agents and being an inspiration, especially to women. Mm. I really enjoyed the females who partner with me that come to me like, I'll do whatever you say. I need help. I'm in trouble and I trust you. And like they start making really big money and changing their life and, you know, creating wealth for themselves and their children. I love that. That's so rewarding to me. Mm. I'd like to do more of it. And I'd like to continue buying apartment buildings to hedge against, you know, the tax, you know, the tax issues that you have as a high earner. Yeah. Talk to us about some of the people that you've either sponsored at EXP or some of the people that are in your downline that you've really helped, you know, mold or, or make a difference. Without naming names, just give us yeah. you know, maybe some of the, the high level ideas. I think the gal that I really helped the most, she was in a very bad situation. She wasn't able to feed her dog. I saw her at the dog park and she was crying. And she was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I lost my job. And I said, well, what do you do? And it turns out she was in the sales position of, of a sort. And I asked her if she thought about going to real estate school. She said, well, sure. So I sponsored her to get her license. And she was a go-getter. I mean, I just basically downloaded my brain into her mouth <laughs> and she, she killed it. I mean, she, she does really, really well. Awesome. So she was always in sales. You got her to get her license and now she's in your, is she part of your team or is she just in the downline? She's in the downline. So now she's in your downline. So she's in your ecosystem, right? I'm sure she participates now in masterminds and weekly calls and all sorts of prospecting events and such. And she's just able to grow from being in your existence. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Great. It's interesting that, you know what, and I don't mean this for this to be like a EXP plug, but th those are the, some of the same reasons we went over to EXP, right? You can have proximity, right? Like I've always said on this platform is that, um, you know, like we're the kinds of people where like if we hear that the people we want proximity to are hanging out at the country club, I'm going to find a way to get into that country club, whether that means right. I know somebody who goes there or I got to become a member or I got to pay or whatever it is. It's all about the proximity. So that was one of the main reasons we went over there is proximity to some of the people that uh, we wanted to collaborate with. Yeah, no, it's the biggest thing in the world. The, the, some of the masterminds we'd attend and some of the things that you'd go to, it's only those millimeter shifts that change your life. And it's something that you hear, uh, something that gives you courage to take action, like what you did, right, which is, takes a lot of balls brass balls uh to do right so it, it's the things that give you the confidence is knowing that you can have the competence to actually take that next step and not fall flat on your face 
Um, with your five-year vision and what you want to accomplish, being a beacon almost to other women in the industry, what philosophy do you feel like you need to adapt moving forward to get there? That's a great question. I've noticed myself really stepping into this role that I used to say that's what men do, or I should call you know, my dad or my ex-husband to handle that, and, and actually believing that I can do it, mm. right? Like syndication on a deal. There's really not that many women who do that. Yeah. The majority of syndicators are men. They raise money from other wealthy men. They go and do deals with mostly with other men. You know, putting together those funds as a female, it was very challenging. You know, it, it's totally different experience. I don't want to take up time with it, but the fact that I was able to do it successfully it, it created a new confidence in me. Mm. Like, oh, I can really do big dog shit. Like, I'm capable of this. Yeah. This is me. Yeah. You know, I, I had to recently pay somebody almost a million dollars for an issue that I had ongoing. I never in my lifetime would have thought I had a million dollars to pay someone to go away. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. That's big dog shit. Yeah. And I'm starting to get to this place in my life where it's like, I am not the same person and who I am can make a major difference in a lot of lives. Yeah, that's so well said. Just to reflect real quick, a lot of what you said is actually so true because a lot of the people that you see in the real estate space are men that dominate the industry, but the most successful, yeah, but the most successful yeah. agents or the ones that are the most competent tend to be women, right? But then they shy away from being in the public eye to actually present and share their knowledge with everybody else. Why do you think that is? I don't know if they shy away. It's that the traditional the traditional way that real estate is done is not complicated. It's really not that impressive. It's the other stuff, right? So traditionally, people are running around with buyers, getting leads from Zillow and open house. That's very low level stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyone can do that. The hard stuff is running a team, an actual business, having accounting, profits and loss, marketing budgets, hedging against inflation, yep. tax issues. And that's typically when you start seeing more men than women. Yeah, that's a good point. And the one thing that you said that kind of got me excited is we had Pace Morby, a couple of big investors, skill of being able to raise money. And you having to go through that firsthand and, and becoming uh, you know, confident in being able to do so, can you share just high level how someone would actually do so? Ask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's literally just like cold calling like or looking for sellers. It's the same thing. And I have to give my, my former partner credit because he really showed me first, you know, he did leverage finance. So he mm. put together really big deals. I mean, he dealt with like the country of Greece. He refinanced Vegas when, you know, the crisis happened, the downfall in 2008. And I would hear him on the phone and he taught me a lot. Because when he would go to ask for, for money, he never asked for the money. He talked about the benefits of what the money would do and what sol problems it solved for that person. Hmm. So like if he knew that, you know, they had, you know, an issue with hiring because they didn't have a budget, he would talk about that. He would not talk about the investment. He would talk about how he, they could fix that problem with the benefit of the investment. Hmm. If you had to give like an example, just so that way it can resonate a little bit more. How would you dig deeper in, in that example? Sure. So like if I'm raising money for a syndication, mm -hmm. you know, Tracy, I, I know you just went through divorce. 
tell me about how and you're not working right now right mm -hmm. nope not working that must be difficult how, how are you feeling overwhelmed with how i'm going to produce income yeah i was there i 100 percent understand you know if you were to be able to make an extra two or three thousand a month would that help you to pay your bills it definitely would yeah yeah do you happen to have you know five hundred thousand from the sale of your home left liquid or you know has that been spent already no it's there i'm still deciding what to do with it but putting it all in one basket is like scary to think i understand that as well if i could show you an investment that was lower on the risk scale that gave you that type of return is that something that you would have interest in learning more about got it so it's literally just like real estate sales but you're asking yeah interesting that's very interesting. But so, also, are you, so you, are you doing syndications right now, actively, your own? General partnering and JVing with others, but yes, I am. Awesome. Good for you. And Thank being you. around proximity to the right people is definitely a key role. Because like Grant, which you've had the privilege of being like around and associated with the 10X Nation kind of energy, right? I'm in his mastermind still, yeah. Which is amazing. And he, he essentially created his own institution through crowdfunding, which is like never before ever been done. And he's like... He's like JP Morgan, basically, right? If he wants funds, he posts up a social media story. If you got 200,000 you want to invest. When you have that much influence, you can, you can yeah. do anything. Which is crazy. But then you think they about it. They don't know you. They won't flow you. That's exactly. so true. You know, I've seen videos of you like in Ferrari dealerships doing presentations or like helping being on there, which is like super important. Was that strategically done for that purpose? Or was that just something that you enjoyed doing as a hobby? So the Ferrari dealership was strategic to the work I do with new developments. Mm. Actually, what I did with 1000 Museum was really unprecedented. I went down there and I asked to speak with the developers as an agent from the Northeast. Yeah. And I saw that the condo started at $6 million. Mm. So where are they going to get an individual? Because that's a second or a third home. That's not a first home. To buy there, you probably are going to have a, a net worth of 50 or more, mm -hmm. right? How many people in the world have that? Where do you find them? They're coming from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, the majority of their buyers. So I went down there and I pitched it to him. And at first they were kind of like, that's weird. I don't get it. But then they were like, this is pretty genius. So we blew it up. We started getting a bunch of activity. And I said to myself, okay, well, where do I go? Where do I find these rich people? <laughs> they buy Ferraris, don't they? True. <laughs> I went to the Ferrari dealership and I met with them and I said, Hey, do you have any people on the wait list for cars right now? And they were like, we do actually. And I said, well, why don't we throw an event for them and anyone else that you think would be interested so that you don't lose their interest and you get to talk to them and it's social. How much would this cost me? They said free, well. you know, we, we have, we need reasons to, to, you know, connect with our, our audience. So this is great. You have $6 million condos in Miami. It gives us a reason to see them again, continue our conversations with them. Let's do an event. So then we got, you know, high-end art in there. We had a lot of other vendors, you know, cause there, it was expensive to put the food and everything together, the, all that stuff. And that all came together to sell those condos, which we were very successful at. Nice. And like I said, I feel like I'm finally using my degree to do something yeah. in real estate because that's 
it was so fun for me and I would love to do that a hundred times over yeah. for any builder that sees value in that. Yeah. No, that's invaluable and super strategic how you did that. Um, cool. What's some lessons that you've learned so far looking back that a new agent, if they were to come asking you, like, give me a step-by-step guide, three points that I need to take and implement to be successful. What would they be for you? New agent, you have to be open to, you know, being mentored, really be humble. It, it feels weird, but you have to, you have to take massive action, no matter how scary, how embarrassing, just keep going. My whole thing when I first started here was 50 contacts a day. And it was purely because I knew I was going to fail. And the more I failed, the better I was to get closer to, you know, a success. And then the third thing I would say is, you know, get around the right people. You can't be mentored by someone who sold 10 homes. That's not going to help you yeah. get the right people. Now, the other piece of success I'm going to, uh, advice I'm going to give unsolicited. Is that okay? Sure, of course, always. Another thing that I, I learned kind of the hard way is all the vultures that come out when they think you're starting to make money. <laughs> John laughs because he knows. There are so many people who are going to tell you, I got this for you. I want to help you in this way and in that way. And they think they're really trying to take advantage of you because they think you have a lot of money and, you know, they can they can get that from you, whether it's selling you phony magazine covers because you're a top agent, whether it's, there's a whole conglomerate of things. So be really careful about the, the thing that seems too good to be true. Mm. I love that. That, that, that could be a completely different thing with all the times that somebody does something and it's like a complete scam that they get committed to or whatever the case it is. Like, hey, listen, let me do your marketing, right? You want your yeah, social well. media marketing? I got you. You want this, that, and the other, I got you. But then on top of that, there's like so many, being in proximity with the people who are succeeding at the high level, they will literally give you the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. Right? And that's what I've learned is like, they're the most generous with that information. And the people who are not are the ones that are like holding on to like that New York Times ad that gets them 10 deals a year. And they're like, you'll never know yeah. what this is. Right? <laughs> but then the people who are succeeding at a high level, they're like, hey, yeah, man, you're to do share it. everything. Yeah, sh try it out. Let me know what fails so that way we can actually try to improve it. So it's collectively better and more effective. And it's like, word, it's like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not It's not doggy eat dog. Okay, cool. But no. I mean, that was one of the biggest things, one of the biggest reasons we went over to EXP, one of the events we went to. Yeah. People in our upline were like, here's the QR code, scan this QR code. And we scanned it and it was the entire SOP for their marketing team. Yeah. And then another speaker went up there and they were like, scan this QR code, another SOP for all of what they do on social, another QR code. Here's a SOP for everything that we do for transaction coordination. I was like, oh my God, like everybody's just sharing everything. Yeah. That the hardest thing is a real, real estate person, the salesperson, you're naturally built or trained to become a problem solver. So when you're given a standard procedure, you will overcomplicate it against your will because you're like, but what if this happens? Yeah. And what if this happens? But then we're documenting it. But what if all of this doesn't actually get implemented? What happens then? We have yeah. to retrain again. Screw it, right? But then you learn actually how to operate a business. And it's a different skill entirely that you're learning. And yeah. um, it's a never-ending process. But the biggest thing to take away from this podcast, honestly, and from what you've been so kind to share is that until you rip off the Band-Aid, you don't know what you're capable of. And you won't know what you're capable of unless you're put in a position that's one, you actually have a chance to fail and there's no security net. Yep. And on top of that, 
being your true self feels a lot better and you succeed at a way higher level when you do so, when you're around the right people that you choose and not the people that you're forced to be around, which is pretty tremendous. So we commend you for that. Awesome. Thank you. Jess, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. It was fun. Yeah. What's the best way for someone to reach out and connect if they want to collaborate, talks and referrals? Oh, I'm always yapping on Instagram at, at the Lone Star Unicorn. It's, a, it's the best place to find me. We'll add that in the link below. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on. I have to ask, do you still have that Corvette? I sure do. Yeah. Love it. I red. Always, it's, red. Is it, it the red? No, because I it's saw that you red. had the accident with it when you first moved to Dallas. I was like, that's what happens when you go to Dallas. <laughs> like you hit a cow or something. No. <laughs> Actually, it is a very Dallas thing. My car was parked, right? And a preacher in his big jacked up truck didn't see the car so low to the ground and took off the front end when he got out of his parking space. Oh, wow. That is some very Dallas stuff to happen. <laughs> a preacher in a jacked up truck. <laughs> <laughs> Head into Amherst. Oh, like a country song. Yeah, right. In my truck. Awesome. Awesome.